I'm going to invite you to take a seat and take your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is our text for today. It's our text for the series, Character 101, where we're looking at those things that God wants us to learn to be the children of God. Hey, while you're, uh, oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you. They look amazingly like this one. Turn to page 1,158 and you will find Galatians chapter 5. And as always, if you don't have a Bible and you want to read God's Word, we want you to go ahead and take one of these with you. It is our gift to you. Uh, we want you to have the Word of God, read the Word of God, because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Hey, let me tell you, uh, I am really excited about the Serve Our Schools emphasis. And I just want to share that with you for a moment. Uh, you know, uh, our plan is 100 projects on the 10 public and charter schools in Lake Havasu City. And we're not doing all those. We're leading our community to be involved in this and, and inviting them to come alongside of us. But Calvary's taking the lead. And so our goal is 50 projects. And, uh, and I'm sharing this with you because I really want you to be a part of this. This is a great opportunity for us to impact the community. And uh, we've already completed 19 of the projects Calvary has. Uh, start because we were impatient and we started this summer. Uh, but uh, so we've done 19. We've got 10 more projects that we've committed to do. I signed our life group up this week for two projects over at Havasupai. Uh, and then the community's committed 15 projects so far. Now we're three weeks out, and, uh, and that's 44 projects if you're doing the math. And so we're almost halfway there in terms of commitment. But if you've been thinking, hey, I want to be a part of Serve Our Schools, uh, our life group wants to be a part of Serve Our Schools, maybe your business or the community group that you're a part of wants to be uh, involved in Serve Our Schools, then sign up. It's time to take our intentions and put them into actions and make commitments. And so let me just encourage you to do that. Have those conversations, whether it's with your life group or whether it's with uh, your friends, and because you can just grab your friends and say, hey, let's go do a project at one of the schools. Maybe some of you went to a school, maybe you got kids or grandkids at a school, and you want to adopt that one, then let me encourage you to do that. So today, what are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? What is it that keeps you up at night or wakes you up at night and you can't go back to sleep? Are you, are you worried about politics? Do you get up in the morning and start reading the, the news and, and just your blood pressure goes up and you get all anxious and, and disturbed about that? Are, are you afraid of terrorism? You know, London had an attack this week, and, and they're on high alert. And or Is that something that you're concerned about and when you travel or whatever? Or, or maybe you're concerned about the environment and all the natural disasters that we had. I mean, I was uh, in the Caribbean last week dodging hurricanes. Uh, I was never in danger, but we actually had members of our church that were on St. John's Island when Hurricane Irma went over it with 185-mile-an-hour winds. And they survived, and they're back in one piece, but, uh, you know, they've got a story to tell. Is, is that what makes you nervous anxious maybe you're uh, you're worried about military conflicts because north korea is crazy or maybe you're concerned about the economy or your career or your finances or maybe like me you're worried about the arizona cardinals <laughs> they're playing the colts today when i walked out they were they were trailing 10 to 3 uh so it's not it's not good but uh you know what is it you're concerned about you're concerned about uh you know your health your kids, your grandkids. Maybe you're anxious about just being here because of the crowds. You see, we live in an anxious world, a worry-driven nation. Uh, 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety. That's 13% of the population. The National Institution of Mental Health says that, and this is, these are crazy numbers, 
38% of teenage girls and 26% of teenage boys suffer from anxiety disorders. Our, our world is anxious and worry-driven and afraid, and we want peace. We want peace. And, and God wants to teach us peace. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world, you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and was raised from the dead, and you've made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, then the Holy Spirit of God is in you, and he is the teacher, and he wants to lead you into truth. And so he is trying to teach you the character of Jesus. And that's why Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, is our text for today, because that is the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the characters that God is committed to teaching us. The Holy Spirit in you is committed to teaching you how to live these out. So in just a moment, I'm going to quote this, this passage. I'd encourage you to follow along, but I'd also encourage you, challenge you, to memorize them. Just go ahead and memorize it. It's, it's two verses. We're going to be in this for nine weeks. This is week number three. And, and just go ahead and commit these to memory because you can do it. It's not that hard. And, and, and if you repeat it enough times, it'll, it'll stick. And, and here's why. Because this will help you to be familiar with the things that the Holy Spirit in you is trying to teach you. So the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5, writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things as these, there is no law. You know, you know what he's saying? He's saying if you embrace the character of Christ, if you let the Holy Spirit teach you these characteristics, then you don't have to worry about following the rules because you're going to do the right things. You're going to live the way that God wants. You don't have to worry about the parameters of the law because you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to teach us love, joy, and the one we're focusing on today, peace. Peace. He wants to teach us peace. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to live a life full of peace. And that sounds so good, doesn't it? Uh, problem is, we want to focus on the wrong kind of peace. How many of you like going to the beach? Got any beach people here? Okay, a lot of hands go up. Why do we like the beach? I mean, the ocean, the sand, the surf. It's, it's just so peaceful and relaxing, right? We want to get away from it all and enjoy some peace and, yeah, we do, don't we? We like that peace and quiet. In fact, we've all got favorite places to get away from it all. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your favorite place, not like in generic terms, but like the specific place that you really feel at peace. We can enjoy some peace and quiet, all right? You got a place in your mind? Now I want you to tell the person sitting next to you, uh, you know, real quickly. Ready, set, go. This is where you're talking. This is where you're discussing. Some of you are planning trips. That's okay. You guys don't have enough peaceful places. I mean, wow. Or that it was so easy. So for me, you know, it's standing on the first hole of a golf course. Because I haven't hit a bad shot yet. And, uh, and I haven't had anything to get angry about yet. So, but the idea of a perfect day playing golf is just wonderful. That, and then I've got some friends who let me use their cabin in the mountains. And, and I love to get away and just be alone uh, with God there. Uh, now, it's great to get away. But here's the problem. It's an illusion. It's just temporary. Because you're there at the beach, you're enjoying the peace and quiet, you're relaxing, and then you're thinking, oh, I have to go back 
to reality, right? You see, the, the truth is we inhabit a broken world that's been damaged by sin that brings destruction and death with it. So conflict is inevitable. And yeah, people are always saying, can't we all just get along? No, we can't. Because life is like traveling with your family. Not, not today's family, not the way we do it today, but the old style, you know, like a bunch of kids in the back seat. I, I'm talking about before everybody had screens in front of them in the car or the iPad with the headphones and you can, you know, just disappear in your own little world. I'm talking about you and your three or four brothers across the, you know, the back seat and you're like, don't touch me. He's touching me. There's nothing to do. Right? Especially if you don't have a window and you're just sitting there staring. There's a brother one side, a brother the other side, and there's no place to do it. And you can't do anything. It's like, he's touching me. Stop touching me. Mom, he's touching me. He's in my space. And dad just goes, don't make me pull this car over and beat you, kids, so we can have a good time. <laughs> See, that's the picture of our world right there. We, we, we're not going to have peace. In fact, the harsh reality is this. External peace is not possible yet. It's not possible yet. Lasting external peace won't happen until the Prince of Peace returns and concludes history as we know it. In other words, we're not going to have peace in this world until Jesus shows back up and, and redeems this world and establishes his rule and his reign, and, and then there will be external peace. And that would be depressing, except for the reality that the Holy Spirit is in you and wants to produce peace in your life. Abundant, overflowing, extreme peace, the kind of peace that is incomprehensible to this world. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, internal peace is promised. Internal peace is promised to you. I'm going to share with you a couple of quotes from Jesus. They're two of my favorite quotes from Jesus. And, and understand, he shared these with his followers, that's us, just before his death. So he's about to be betrayed and arrested and tortured and beaten and killed. And here's what he says. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. He says, look, I'm, I'm going to give you my peace. You can have it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. John 16, 33. Again, same evening. He said, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you get that? Jesus says, look, in the world it, it's going to be rough. It, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be, you know, tribulation, uh, trials, pain. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. So the Prince of Peace, who's about to come, become the tortured sacrifice for sin, gives us his peace, taught us his truth so that we can have peace in our lives. So the closer relationship you have with Jesus, the more that you understand his word, the more that you embrace his wisdom, the more peace you're going to have in your life. Now, let me say that again because I want you to get this. The, the closer relationship you have with Jesus. By the way, Calvary exists to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It's not just getting baptized and calling yourself a Christian. It is an ongoing relationship that you want to grow more and more in your knowledge of Jesus and your relationship with Jesus. And you do that by understanding his word, what he teaches, and by embracing it. Not just understanding it, but living it. Building your life on his truth. And as you do that, peace is going to grow in your life. As you do that, all of the characters of Christ are going to become evident in your life. I mean, this is a simple truth. It, it really is about getting to know Jesus. And, and the better you know him, the more peace is available. Now, I, I want you to hear a couple of things really clearly uh, before I move on, because I, I, I don't want you to miss this. First of all, if you're being treated for depression or anxiety, please continue your medical and counseling process. Do not hear me say, all you need is to pray more and get to know Jesus, so go off your meds. Okay? I did not say that. I did not mean that. That is not the point. If you're, if you're undergoing medical care and you're going under counseling, then those are of God because God's the one who gave us the brains to come up with the medicines in the first place. He's the one who gave us the wisdom for the counseling. Do all of the above. Stick with your meds. Stick with your counseling and develop your relationship with Jesus Christ and see what God does. Maybe you'll get to the point where you can go off your meds. Maybe you'll get to the point where, you know, you can help people instead of going to a It's okay. But let the process carry out. I believe in all of the above, not either or. Secondly, as Christ followers, peace is available to us. But we need to listen and focus on the spiritual peace that God is offering to us, the internal peace that Jesus promises us. Because Jesus offers his peace, a peace that has the ability to calm the storm, but usually chooses to calm us in the midst of the storm instead. Right? Because what do we do? We're, we're facing a, a storm in life, and we pray, God, take it away. God, send it someplace else. And most of the time, God says, no, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the storm. We can calm it, but he usually lets us go through it. Or, or you know, Jesus gives us his peace, and, and it's the peace that can eliminate our opposition, but usually chooses to allow us to peacefully endure opposition. Again, you're facing a difficult thing, and there's opposition in front of you. There's obstacles in front of you. What do we pray for? God, remove them. Take them away. Right? And, and usually God says, now what I want you to do is I want you to endure them, and I'm going to give you peace to face those opposition, face that obstacle, because I'm going to give you the ability to go through it. See, that's how he works. See, we crave external peace in a broken world, and Jesus offers internal peace and while we wait for him to completely redeem our broken world. But that means that we have to focus on the internal peace rather than the external peace. So God wants to teach us peace. And most of us have the tools. We just need to practice using them. So let's look at peace-encouraging reminders. Peace-encouraging reminders. I want to share with you four things that most of us in this room already know. Uh, there'll be some of you that'll be surprised by some of the things I say, but most of you are going to go, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. And, and, and that's the point. These are reminders. And, and, and the thing is, these are the reminders that we need to own. And, and I don't want to share them with you so that you can write them down and then walk out of here and forget them. These are the kinds of things that need to be part of your life on a daily basis, maybe even an hourly basis. These are the things that you need to, rem to meditate on. 
Scripture you know, encourages us to meditate on the truth of God's word day and night. These are the things that you need to meditate on. You need to let your life marinate in these truths. These are the things that you need to write down and post on your mirror so you see them in the morning. You need to put them in your car someplace so you see them when you're getting in your car and getting out of your car. These are the kinds of things that maybe you need to put them in your phone and ha- set an alarm to remind you in the day to look at that list again. Because most of us know them here, we just don't live it here. And it hasn't sunk down into our soul, and that's why I use the word marinate. We need to let this, these truths seep down into our innermost being so that we can have peace. So here we go. Four peace-encouraging reminders. First one is this. God loves you. God loves you. John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. 1 John 4.10 uh, tells us this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, this wasn't even our idea. We weren't calling out to God, God, love us, please love us. No, we didn't care about God. And God said, I I love them, so I'm going to send my son to redeem them because they're lost and they're separated and they need my love. God loves you. God forgives you. When you ask him to, God forgives you of everything you've ever done. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how you failed, how you rebelled. God forgives you. God values you. He thinks you're significant. He thinks you're important. He thinks you're wonderful. He wants to have a relationship with you. He thinks that you're, you're, you're great. He made you and loves you. Now, you, you're sitting here going, okay, tell me something I don't know. I know you know this. But see, again, we know it here. We, we understand the truth mentally, but have you owned it in the depths of your soul? Do you understand how incredibly significant you are that the God of all creation, who holds all things in his hands, desires a personal relationship with you. You see, when you really understand that, it it changes the way you feel about yourself when you get up in the morning. It changes the way you see the world. It changes the way that you understand life. Because God loves you. He thinks you're terrific. No matter how you feel about yourself. So, do you understand that, that you are loved by God, that you are forgiven by God, that you are valued by God. So God loves you, and God is with you. God is with you. Jesus' final words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'm going to be with you always. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. See, the moment that you confess Jesus as Lord, God the Holy Spirit invaded your life. He wrote the name of Jesus on your soul. He sealed you for heaven. He said, you are mine, and I will never, ever leave you. You know what that means? That means that God is always with you. God's with you when you're being holy and good. And God is with you when you are rebelling and indulging in sin. God's with you. God's with you when you're happy and celebrating, and he's with you when you're depressed and grieving. God is with you when life is a struggle and painful and difficult. He's with you when it's success and you are celebrating. God's with you. You are never, 
facing life alone. You might think it's me against the world, but it's not. Because God is with you. You know, in a real practical and kind of silly sense, uh, how this sort of influenced my life and gave me some peace. When I was younger, um, this really made a difference. Uh, by the way, I just confess, I have a really crazy imagination, okay? And uh, so, you know, I can uh, imagine all kinds of things. And one of those things that creeped me out when I was younger was staying alone in the house. Uh, anybody else get creeped out staying alone in the house? Okay, thanks. I see those hands. Uh, so, so anyway, the worst part of staying alone in the house was um, washing your face, Right? Because every horror movie you've ever seen, that's really a bad thing. Because you're like down, you're looking at the water. You come up, you dry your face, you're looking in the mirror, and you expect to see somebody behind you going, ee, 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 ee. And then it occurred to me, God's with me. God's with me. I'm not alone. I don't have to be afraid of the boogeyman in the closet or anything else. Because God is with me, and he sees me, and he knows me, and he loves me, and, and he's there with me. I know that's kind of silly, but at the same time, it's true. It changed my perspective. It gave me peace. So God loves you. God is with you. God is for you. God is for you. Romans 8, 31, the Apostle Paul says, What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, I want you to understand the God of all creation is for you. He's for you. This, this is mind-boggling. Let this just sink deeply into your soul. God wants you to succeed. Okay? Not, not at your plans and your desires and your dreams, but God wants you to succeed in His kingdom. He wants to succeed in developing character in you. He wants you to have peace so that you can successfully represent Jesus to the world. Think about this. If, if the Holy Spirit can teach you peace, then you can walk out into this world that is flipping out and anxious and afraid. You know, I mean, think about it. Our, our society is popping Xanax and Valium like candy. And if you can live out peace in the midst of this fear, how attractive, how appealing is that to people who are anxious? If we, the children of God, can say, hey, I'm not afraid. I, I'm, I'm living in the comfort of Christ. I've got this peace that passes understanding. Uh, it, then people want some of that. They want to know how you got that. They want to understand how you think differently than them. And, and so they're going to seek out this Jesus who has transformed your life and given you peace. So the Holy Spirit wants to teach you peace so that you can represent Christ to this world. And... Uh, God wants you to succeed in His kingdom. Again, not your kingdom, but His kingdom. And, and sometimes our failure to have peace is because we are fighting against God's plans for our lives. Okay, let me say it again. One of the reasons we don't have peace is because we're fighting against God's plans for our lives. In, in other words, God's not doing what we want Him to do. You guys realize that that we usually are anxious because we're trying to control outcomes. You know, we want stuff to happen the way we want it to happen. We want our plans to happen. We want our life to go a certain way. We want our kids to do certain things. We want our grandkids to do certain things. We, we want all this stuff to happen our way. And what we end up doing is we expect God to serve us in making our plans happen. And we get upset. We get angry when God doesn't do what we want him to do. Um, by the way, it doesn't work that way. When you confess Jesus as Lord, you became a servant of the living God, not the other way around. And if God's your servant, he's not worth worshiping. 
Uh, by the way, the only thing you can control are your choices. You can't control any outcomes. You can't control any other people. You can't control circumstances. We definitely can't control this world that we live in. We control our choices. That's it. And, and, and so we get upset with God because he's not doing what we want because his plans are different than our plans. And, and peace comes when we understand God is for us. And so we can trust him and we can trust him with the outcomes and we stop worrying about how it's going to turn out because we know God is working to redeem our lives. It kind of looks like this. I have a two-year-old grandson. His name's Eli, and he is a blast. Okay? I love this little guy, and, and I am unapologetically for him. I mean, I want him to succeed. I want him to be happy. I want him to, to have the best of everything. I want to promote him in any way I can. So I am for my grandson. But he's two. So occasionally, as much as he enjoys his papa... Occasionally, I tell him no. Occasionally, I will have to physically stop him from doing something that could hurt him or others. And in those moments when I stop him physically from doing what he wants to do or tell him no, you know what he does? He looks at me, he smiles, and he says, Papa, thank you for limiting my choices. <laughs> Not exactly his response, okay? I may have misrepresented that a little bit. Now, usually there is some kind of guttural cry from deep within his you know, being because I'm not letting him do what he wants to do in that moment. And, and here's the thing. Even though he's unhappy, even though he's throwing a temper tantrum, even though he's having a fit, am I any less for him? No, I'm still absolutely, unequivocally, unapologetically for him. Okay, and the relationship with God He's the Heavenly Father, and we're the kids. And how many times do we get upset because our Heavenly Father tells us no? How many times do we get upset because our Heavenly Father puts up boundaries and says, don't go here, don't do that, uh, it's going to hurt you, it's going to hurt people that you love, it's going to be destructive. And we get angry because God tells us no, or we get angry because we ignore His commands, and we do it anyway, and then we're hurt. And how many times are we throwing a temper tantrum and we're angry at God and he is unequivocally for us? You see, God is for us beyond what we can see or imagine. God is redeeming our failures and our brokenness and our pain in ways that we can't understand. And he's trying to develop our character so that we can build the kingdom of God. And so that we can be blessed. And when you know that God is for you and that he will redeem all the parts of your life, it brings peace to us. It really does. Because now you understand you don't have to be perfect. By the way, those of you that are, you know, plagued by perfectionism, God does not expect you to be perfect. He expects you to improve. He expects you to make progress doesn't expect you to be perfect. Heck, he knows who you are. He knows your flaws. He knows you're failing. He loves you anyway. So, so stop striving for perfection. You don't have to always be correct. You don't have to always be right. You don't have to try to control the outcomes. God's for you. God's for us. And that allows us to live in peace. You see, I don't ever want to make mistakes. 
I don't ever want to screw up, but I know because I've lived long enough that I'm going to. And it gives me peace knowing that God loves me and God is with me and God is for me. And God is redeeming all the parts of my life. And fourthly, that God is preparing a place for me and for you. Uh, Gospel of John, again, that last night of Jesus' life before he's arrested, before he's tortured, before he's crucified, he says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You trust in God? Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me that where I am, you will always be. He's got a place for us. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what Jesus is saying is heaven is your destination and nothing in this world can change that reality. I hope that gives you peace. I hope that gives you peace. And some of you are thinking or protesting inside. Uh, so thinking about death is supposed to bring me peace. You're a little bit morbid, Pastor. Okay, it's not exactly what I said. So let me try this again. Here's the good news. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, heaven is promised to you. That's the good news. Bad news is you have to die to get there. Hey, look, that's just reality, okay? Uh, but uh, uh, here's, the, here's the thing, you know, no gener you know, there's one generation that's promised that they, maybe they can escape death, but, you know, that hasn't been given to us necessarily. So you've got to die to get there. But the good news is you have to die anyway. So heaven is a much better option than the other choice, right? I mean, we deserve the other choice, but uh, because of God's grace and Jesus' sacrifice, we get heaven even though we deserve hell, and, and so we can rejoice in that. So this world is unpredictable. This world is scary. This world is dangerous and crazy. And none of us can control that. That's why we're anxious. Jesus promise, promises to take us away from this place to a world where there's no more death or sorrow or suffering or pain. That's kind of a cool promise. And when we understand the promise of what is to come, we don't have to fear what is. Think about that. If you know what is to come, you don't have to be anxious about what is or what might be. Because the outcome is secure. Uh, if you remind yourself daily of these truths, peace is going to grow in your life. If you just can really bring all that together and remember that God loves you, God is with you, God is for you, God's prepared a place for you, it's going to change the way that you see life. Uh, it's kind of like this. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. Uh, yeah, it's kind of evident, <laughs> maybe a little bit pathetic, but that's the reality of being a Cardinals fan. And when I watch the games, uh, I get a little bit crazy. You know, I yell at the TV. I get up and pace because I'm too nervous to sit there. If they're really being boneheaded or losing badly, I'll just turn the TV off. Anybody else with me at that point? Uh, okay, there's a few of you I can watch games with then. And uh, we just get together and have a little neurosis party. But, uh, but I do that to the end of the game because I want them to win, but I'm anxious about the outcome. Now, I can do nothing to control the outcome. Nothing whatsoever. 
but I, I'm crazy about the game because I want them to win. Now, if I knew that the Cardinals were going to win the game, if there was no doubt whatsoever that they were going to win the game, do you think that I would act crazy and yell at the TV and everything? No. I wouldn't. Now, it's impossible for me to ever know that the Cardinals are going to win a game because they are the Cardinals. But, uh, but see, that's football. It doesn't really mean anything. But I want you to understand this. As followers of Jesus, we win. We can't lose. When, when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. The victory is complete. It, it's done. He's paid the price for our sins. We are his children forever. And, and so our destiny is sealed. We absolutely cannot lose. It is a, it, it, it's decided. And, and because of that, we need to relax. We need to trust God because the outcome is in the bag. We seriously, it's impossible for us to lose. So I want you to hear those words of Jesus one more time. These things I have told you so that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you.